It's Monday, June 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, our man in Rhode Island. It's Brian Feraldi. Brian, good to see you. Chris, how's it going? It's going pretty well. We've got some restaurant news. We've got some energy news. We're going to start, though, with retail because Walmart, which the last time I checked was already doing pretty well with the e-commerce, Walmart is partnering up with Shopify to expand its third-party marketplace site. And you know, you and I were talking earlier today, this seems like a good move for both. It's the proverbial win-win, but in terms of uh, stock prices, it's moving Shopify up about 5% today. Yeah, these are two companies that are just having stellar years. And when you see yet another announcement like this come out of uh, Shopify, easy to understand why. So Walmart is essentially opening up its uh, walmart.com platform, which, as you highlighted, is just seeing explosive growth. Last quarter, 74% uh, sales growth over the prior, prior year. So they're really having a big success. But they're going to allow Shopify's uh, users, and there's more than a million of them right now, to ba- essentially seamlessly offer their products uh, and sell them directly on walmart.com. So I think this is a big win for, for both companies. It certainly broadens Walmart's product offering, also gives them a nice PR win for supporting uh, small and medium-sized businesses. Obviously, a big win for Shopify, further solidifying them as the go-to place if you are a small or medium-sized business and want to uh, beef up your e-commerce capabilities. And Walmart did say they're initially limiting this. Their plan is to have 1,200 businesses uh, started up by the end of the year, but could easily see this being expanded down the road. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier because every once in a while we'll get, you know, email uh, from listeners or, or, or comments and, you know, the full live chat, that kind of thing. And and every once in a while you get something along the lines of, why do you guys like Shopify so much? And, uh, you know, it, it's it's deals like this. Like, <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's just their, their focus, their ability to continue to execute um, and this is this is a massive partnership, um, you know, in the wake of uh, the recent partnership they they did with Facebook as well. And it's you know, Shopify is sort of establishing itself as you indicated as sort of like this this go to platform. Mm-hmm. To me, the, 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 the thing that put Shopify on my radar was when several years ago, Amazon essentially said, we give up. We can't compete against Shopify. Uh, if you're on our platform, we suggest you transition over to Shopify. That, there's no bigger boost in the arm or vote for another platform than Amazon throwing in the towel against you in the e-commerce world. And to your point, we've also now seen uh, Facebook announcing a big partnership with them. Uh, Etsy also has uh, deals with them, and now and now Walmart. So Shopify is clearly the top dog, and that's why we like it, Chris. Doug McMillan, the CEO at Walmart, uh, it's it's pretty remarkable the methodical investments he and his team have made in e-commerce over the last, you know, five, six years after a really good stretch of time when you could have made the case that they really should have been doing this a lot sooner. But Walmart, I'm, I'm impressed by how they have made up for lost time. 
Yeah, the same. Uh, I, I agree with you there. They, they should have made those investments 15 years prior, uh, but hey, they did recognize we're behind here and we really need to spend big. Uh, the big move for them was when they bought Jet.com uh, a couple of years ago, which had a whole bunch of people, including me, scratching my head, but they really have turned uh, that into a big success. So good for Walmart. They recognize e-commerce is the future and they're investing accordingly. Let's move on to energy and BP, uh, formerly British Petroleum, in the news because um, BP is going to take a write down in the current quarter. And keep in mind, their their next earnings report is coming out the first week of August, but they've already come out and said we're going to have a write down of up to seventeen and a half billion dollars. Um, Maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this. Um, the thing that caught my eye was, I don't know if bearish is the right word to use, but just just how, um, uh, yeah, for lack of a better word, how bearish BP is on oil. It, just in terms of their, you know, part of this announcement in terms of their write down was sort of their their forecast for what they see for the next thirty years in terms of oil production, the price of oil. And we've talked a lot about um, various businesses and various industries accelerating innovation. And if you're looking for a silver lining for BP, I suppose it's the fact that they're saying, this is going to accelerate us moving away from fossil fuels even more than we had initially planned. Yeah, they 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 even prior to this announcement, they said that they wanted to be a, a net zero company by twenty uh, between now and twenty fifty. So kudos to them for realizing that essentially the writing's on the wall and uh, green energy is the future. But yes, them taking a up to seventeen point five billion dollar write down and amazingly stock only down a few percent today so Wall Street wasn't exactly taking uh, off guard by that uh, but the reason for that write down is they essentially said they now predict that Brent crude oil future prices are going to average fifty five dollars per barrel between 2021 and 2050 they're also now predicting natural gas prices will be about 290. Um, those are down about 30% from their prior outlooks. However, they're also significantly above where those prices are trading uh, today. And as part of this, they're also cutting uh, 10,000 jobs. So uh, the new CEO, Bernard Looney, uh, which is a name I just love, by the way, uh, he says um, that this is a move to reimagine energy and reinvent BP and at least they're taking it seriously and they seem to be at the forefront as at least from the the big oil companies of of recognizing that the future is forever changed because of coronavirus i suppose if you're looking at whether it's BP royal dutch shell exxon mobil chevron i mean i've i've heard as I have been during the pandemic, been consuming more CNBC. I've heard more people making the case for buying these stocks, and a lot of it is tied up in the dividends that they pay. But I, I think if you're looking for dividend-paying stocks, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it seems like Johnson and Johnson or 3M would be a better, would be more worthy of your consideration if you're looking for dividend-paying stocks than any of the oil companies out there. Yeah, we've seen numerous oil companies 
slashed their dividends down to the bone. Uh, and so far, BP has not. Uh, in fact, this company actually increased its dividend in February. Its former CEO, uh, Bob Dudley, uh, increased the dividend and then uh, uh, retired. So uh, he gave a gift to shareholders before uh, he left. And BP has not made any sort of announcement about this recently. But you know, when you're cut, when you basically say, yeah, $17.5 billion of our assets need to be written down, and Wall Street is pricing your stock so that your dividend yield is 10%. Uh, that's the market's way of saying, expect a big dividend cut in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it it was surprising. Maybe I shouldn't be, but it, it was surprising to see that dividend increase on his way out the door. But, it, you know, in, in a way, you know, we, we've talked over the years on this show about how CEO succession is tough. Um, and it's it's all the more remarkable when not only is there a smooth transition to the corner office, but uh, the subsequent CEO is able to follow on the success of the previous CEO. Not I'm not talking about like cleanup jobs. I'm I'm talking about like oh CEO does pretty well, hands the reins off to someone else, and that person sort of builds on that success. This seems like one of those moves where, where Dudley was basically like, I'm going to do this on my way out the door, and um, I'll, I'll leave it to you to cut it if you feel like that's the right move, but I'm not going to be the bad guy here. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's my read, too. And, uh, you know, Bernard Looney certainly has his um, work cut out for him. Uh, the next, let's say, 10 years are going to be extremely challenging uh, in the fossil fuel industry. So uh, navigating those waters is going to be hard. Let's wrap up with Burger King, because why not? It's Monday. We'll wrap up with Burger King, which is part of Restaurant Brands International. Uh, Burger King announcing they are launching a breakfast sandwich uh, made with uh, the meat-free Impossible Sausage. Uh, Burger King has that partnership with Impossible Foods. Um, this is going to be a nationwide addition to the menu. They've been testing it out in January. And, and I think if uh, watching the fast food and fast casual uh, industry has taught me anything, it's that almost every time, I mean, it's 90% or higher when a restaurant comes out and says, we're testing this. Just, it's just a matter of time before they roll it out nationally. So, we, you know, we can't be surprised that this is coming, but uh, this will be interesting to see what this does, both in terms of Burger King and in terms of Impossible Foods, which is a private company. Uh, we t we talked about them in the wake of the Beyond Meat uh, IPO last year, and thinking, gosh, if you're Impossible Foods, you got to be looking at what Beyond Meat stock price has done, and you got to be eager to get in there. Their CEO seems to be very measured in terms of not wanting to rush into the public markets. But uh, what do you think about this move? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I uh, I'm speaking as someone that pretty much never eats at Burger King ever. And yet this, this past weekend, I was out with my uh, son at a baseball uh, practice. Baseball is back in our town, kind of a big deal. And it was around 11 o'clock in the morning. I saw a Burger King and said, who wants an impossible Whopper for lunch? <laughs> All of my kids raised their hands, uh, so we went out and bought four Impossible Whoppers, and I actually had two Impossible Whoppers for breakfast uh, this weekend, because why not? So, Chris, I, for one, really look forward to giving the Impossible Croissant, which a try. Uh, and I, have, have you tried these foods? 
So last year, uh, uh, Duncan uh, came out with their uh, partnership with uh, Beyond Meat. They they had like a Beyond sausage breakfast sandwich that I tried at the Dunkin' Donuts right across the street from Fool HQ. And uh, the, the Beyond Sausage part of it was pretty tasty. My problem was the actual, was, was the Dunkin' contribution, which was this <laughs> incredibly bland English muffin that I thought, boy, just strike up a deal with the people at Thomas's English Muffin and, and, and get those in there, substitute those in there. But it tasted good, good texture. I, it was one of those things where I just thought, my problem with this sandwich is not the Beyond Sausage. That's actually the best part of this sandwich. If they can fix the rest, I'll try this again. That's super surprising coming from you, because I think of you as Mr. Dunkin' Donuts, just like uh, I'm supposed to be uh, being in Rhode Island, although I'm a Starbucks guy myself. Uh, but yeah, if uh, listeners, if you haven't tried these foods, go give them a try. They are delicious, uh, in my opinion. And Burger King has also been struggling with uh, the breakfast foods. Obviously, so many people are not commuting in ways that they used to, so their breakfast uh, sales are down. I think this this announcement really has the potential to amp that up. And they're also doing a promotion where they're giving away 100,000 of these things if you uh, use the mobile app to make an order. So, hey, there's a chance you can get one of these things for a dollar. Well, and that's, that's a smart move on their part, because we've seen this with with Starbucks, with all, all kinds of fast casual restaurants, the more people you can get downloading your uh, mobile app, the more you can get them in that routine, make it convenient. Um, that to me is the, the smartest part of all of this is uh, maybe not the smartest, but it's from a promotional standpoint, I think it's a really smart move. Um, you know, Restaurant Brands International, uh, they've got Burger King. They've also got Popeyes, which has been on fire lately. They've got Tim Hortons, which has not been on fire lately. And it, restaurant brands reminds me a little bit of Yum, you know, where, where Yum Brands has got KFC and Taco Bell, which are usually the bright spots in their quarterly report. And then they've got Pizza Hut, which is just dragging its feet quarter after quarter. And I don't know. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see how long Restaurant Brands continues to hold on to Tim Hortons because that thing just continues to be the albatross around this stock. Yep. They, uh, I can tell, I speak for experience there, Chris. Uh, Tim Hortons tried to make a big push into uh, New England area uh, five or six years ago, tried to encroach in on Dunkin' Donuts territory. And while Starbucks was successful, Tim Hortons admitted defeat and went back to Canada, it, se it seems like. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a concept that doesn't seem to translate across the border as well as they, they, were, they were hoping. But uh, I like, I like their, their strategy of having multiple brands. And as you mentioned with Yum, if one's not doing great, another can kind of pick up the slack. But uh, I, for one, have been eating more Burger King than I ever have in my life recently. So uh, my hat's off to the management team for... Uh, signing up with Impossible Food so early, and Chris, if Impo the, the day that Impossible Food comes public, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy some, uh, no matter what the valuation. It's one of those few companies where I think the future is so bright that I just want to be a shareholder myself. Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see when they do that. I think in part because of what we've seen with the pandemic and the not complete stop of IPOs, but a, a, a major slowdown in IPOs. I don't think it's going to be this year, but um, I think if they can build on the success of this partnership, then going into 2021, it could set them up in a really 
in a really strong way. You just reminded me of uh, years ago, maybe eight years ago, I was back up in Maine, saw a Tim Hortons and pulled over because I just, partly I had done the double take of, holy cow, there's a Tim Hortons and I'm not in Canada. And I thought, well, I got I to gotta, I gotta try this. And uh, boy, was it not good. The, the, the donut, not good. The coffee, not good. And I just thought, oh, okay. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan's going to be fine in New England. If, if this is what Tim Hortons is bringing to the table, they're going to be fine. But, you know, as, as Brian said, drop us an email. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address. Uh, you know, we, we always love boots on the ground research. So, uh, to the extent that people want to uh, take a page out of Brian's book and, uh, and, test drive the impossible for sandwich we want to know what you think so marketfoolery at fool.com brian for all the good talking to you thanks for being here chris thanks for having me as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's going to do it for this edition of market foolery the show is mixed by dan boyd i'm chris hill thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow